0: This is Research Software Engineer Stories, coming straight at you from USRSE, the US Research Software Engineer Association. Welcome to RSE Stories. I'm Miranda Munt. I want to start today's episode with a small disclaimer. This episode covers supercomputing 2022. And some of the views expressed in this podcast are not representative of the General Supercomputing Committee or its sponsors, IEEE and ACM. Thank you for joining our podcast episode today, the first in a short series for Supercomputing 2022, taking place November 13th through 18th this year in Dallas, Texas. Our guest today is Jay Lofted of Sandia National Laboratories. Jay, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for coming. Can you please introduce yourself and tell us about your role in supercomputing this year?
1: All right. So I am a principal member of technical staff at Sandia National Labs, which means that I have more experience on the technical side and that I'm expected to kind of take some leadership roles on technical projects. Um, What I really mainly do is kind of work with community things, and uh, this year for supercomputing, I am the chair for the Inclusivity Committee, and that means that it's my job to make sure that SC is as welcoming for as many people as possible and to try to fix some of the shortcomings that SC has had in the past, mostly through oversight rather than any sort of intent.
0: Now, in previous years, have you had this same role or have you done something else?
1: Uh, I've had multiple different roles. My first year on the committee was SC-18 and that was learning basically how the organization committee worked. Then for SC19, I was in charge of the student volunteer leads, and that was a role that they didn't really understand how to take advantage of experienced student volunteers yet, and I was asked to kind of figure that out. And in the process, we developed a program where the student volunteer leads, so these are student volunteers that have been successful with us one year previous at least, And they come back and then they can be committee members throughout the year. And then they take more of a leadership role at the conference themselves. It's been an an incredibly good experience for everybody involved, both for the students as well as the committee members that they work with. Um, And then for um, 20, I was um, the deputy chair for the student program overall. And that means that I was preparing to be the chair for 21 um, I was also supposed to do the student volunteer leads again for 20, and I ended up helping on that just from time commitment standpoint. Then for 21, I was the overall chair for the students program, which meant I was in charge of um, the 110 committee members, 75 uh, remote student volunteers, 47 in-person student volunteers, and probably 300 other student participants in all of the activities that were focused around students at the conference and making sure that all of that happened.
0: That sounds like a lot of work. What kind of time commitment is that?
1: Considering last year was um, probably the hardest year that anybody that's ever worked at SC um, has ever experienced, it was towards the end, 30 plus hours a week. And that was because we were in a very dynamic environment that started from we thought we would have an in-person to we thought we would be remote to we're definitely having an in-person only. And then it's a, well, COVID starting back up again. And um, there was a declaration finally in October saying, no, we're definitely having some in-person, but we're also going to definitely have remote. So you really need to make two versions of the conference happen at the same time.
0: That sounds very complicated. Are they repeating that this year?
1: So they're repeating it slightly this year. Uh, From the beginning, it was declared that we're going to have a hybrid conference, meaning that you can attend remotely. And this is an inclusivity effort as much as it is just a COVID thing. And it's something that we're trying to make sure continues to happen forever because there are plenty of people, not just in the US, but around the world, that just can't afford to or just physically can't get to the conference. And this gives them a way to participate without actually having to show up in person. So for this year, we know ahead of time what we're planning for. They've made rules around who is required to show up and who's allowed to be remote. And that's simplifying the planning to some degree.
0: So inclusivity clearly then is your passion for this. Why are you so passionate about inclusivity?
1: There's a few reasons. The place that I've had my formative years, so my kind of my preteen kind of years, was uh, in Miami, and that was in the late 70s and early 80s, during the time of the, the Cuban uh, boat lift where everybody was leaving Cuba because of the crackdown from the communists, and plus we had all of the other Caribbean people in the Miami area, plus everybody else that was there. It was a really diverse and interesting place. and. I got used to that, and it was a really fun place to be and live. Then we moved to outside of Atlanta, and I moved into a monoculture. I truly mean a monoculture because um, we were a 100% white high school with a 100% white graduating class. Uh, so there was like there was no diversity at all. And then as I've been going, I've realized that whenever I have teams where I have an opportunity to bring in a more diverse group of people, one, it's more fun, and two, it's more productive and we get better results. And the research has shown this more broadly. So if I want that to be the environment I get to work in, either I can hope somebody else does something about it or I can work to do it myself. And I've decided that the best way to make sure that that happens faster is to work on it myself.
0: So then, in terms of SC22, what are your big goals as the chair of the inclusivity committee?
1: Officially, we've had an an inclusivity chair at SC for several years now. For SC21, we really had the first really solid effort. We had several things happen. like We had the first gender-neutral bathrooms, and um, we had the formation of the sig HBC CARES Committee, which is kind of like a mobile safe space for people who suffer from harassment or other sorts of discrimination they need help, these are people who can um, help them get remedies or, or seek other sorts of, of help. But uh, a lot of that was done outside of the organizational structure of SC itself. So one of my main goals this year is to take all of those things that were done outside of the committee and force them through the normal committee mechanisms so they become things that SC just does. Um, and then the second thing that I wanted to do is to try to push inclusivity into as many corners of SC as possible. So one of the other things that we're doing is we're reaching out to all of the workshops, tutorials, BOFs, and panel organizers and just saying, hey, we're here. SC wants to have a strongly inclusive environment. We're we're here to help you if you'd like help. If you have some inclusivity-related efforts that we can promote, we'd like to help promote that for you, Um, please contact us. And um, so those are really the two things that I'm kind of pushing on for this year. And um, there are so many tiny things that need to change before SC is going to be truly an inclusive conference. So it's a multi-year process. And all of us that are taking onto this role knows that we're going to get several things changed. And then it's build for the next year and build for the next year until we get the process completed.
0: For those of us who maybe not attended a big conference like this, can you tell us what is a BOF?
1: Oh, a BOF is a birds of a feather event, they call it. And um, those are one hour to 90 minute meetings of people who share interest in a particular topic. These are common at uh, large events where they'll have a, a group of people who are interested in some particular library and... Because there's not enough interest necessarily to hold a whole workshop on it, they'll just have this smaller meeting, and then everybody who's interested in that can show up. So HDF5 is the, probably the biggest I.O. library for HPC systems. And HDF5 has a BOF every year, which is a community gathering where they talk about all the new features and what they have planned, and they have input from the community about what they do next. And that's kind of typical. But they can also be all sorts of other things, like uh, three years ago... Um, a couple of students and I um, put together an ethics and HBC BOF because that was a, an area that was missing. So we wanted to bring the discussion of the ethics of what we do in the HBC environment to the SC community. So it's really a wide ranging kind of things that can happen.
0: So are you planning on having inclusivity geared BOFs at the conference this year?
1: Um, we probably will have more of an association with existing BOFs rather than having things that are specifically done by inclusivity. We will have other programming that inclusivity itself has. So for example, we will, we have the early career program, which is run out of inclusivity. Um, we have the outreach program, which is going to all of these different groups as well as other outside groups that have a presence at SC. So if somebody, if I, there's a group like the research software engineering group, uh, association that wants to, or that has a presence at SC, and they don't necessarily have a really deeply ingrained presence and want to get more involved, we're trying to help give them an avenue to get more involved. So Women in HBC has a workshop every year, but one of the issues that they deal with is that around 50% or so of attendees to the workshop, they come to SC one year for the workshop and never come back again and that's one of the indications of why we have a lot of work to do from the inclusivity standpoint is that we should not have that level of attrition and so working with women in HPC is one of the things that we want to do to try to fix that problem so that this is an environment that they feel like is supportive for them and they want to be able to come back to again year after year because SCE, as much as it's promoted both as a trade show and as a technical program, it's really the largest scientific community gathering for people who do computing-based science. And uh, that's really the part that I think needs to be emphasized more because that is, in all of the user surveys year after year, why everybody says they come. So that's, that's another part of the mission is to kind of build up that community aspect rather than focusing solely on the exhibits and on the technical program.
0: So in order to build up that community aspect and to make people feel more included, even after the conference ends, what's your plan of action?
1: A big part of it, I think, is communication. We have to fix the things that we know are wrong or not great or things that make people feel less welcome. And then try to get as much information and feedback from people who've had negative experiences or even just partially negative experiences and try to help them help resolve those issues for them and then give them feedback to say, we heard you, this is something that we've brought up to the higher levels of the SE organization and we've managed to get changes made that should prevent that in the future. There are some things that are still a work in progress. So, for example, vendor parties that happen every year um, are off-site and they're not affiliated with SC, but invariably we have bad behavior that happens at those vendor parties. And SC gets complaints every single year about these things were happening at the vendor parties, and SC's response is, I'm sorry, there's nothing we can do about that. That's been done by the vendor independently of us. Personally, I would risk the revenue and put something into the exhibitor clause that says, if you're exhibiting with us, and we get substantiated complaints, then we're either going to reduce your priority in the exhibitor list or kick you out entirely. Now, it's a huge financial risk to do that. And I know that's one of the reasons why it hasn't happened yet. But those are the kinds of things that we could do as a community to really uh, reinforce this being a real community event rather than well, it's a money thing, and we're going to focus on getting the revenue and then try to be as inclusive as we can after that. I'd rather push the inclusivity first and then let the revenue come from people that are willing to be inclusive rather than say, we'll take anybody's money and then hope they're inclusive.
0: Thank you for that. From a participant level, what can people who attend SC this year, whether virtually or in person, expect to see from the inclusivity committee, like workshops?
1: So, uh, from workshops, uh, I've already mentioned uh, Women in HPC and we have the Research Software Engineering workshops, those will be there. Um, In terms of other things that are not necessarily considered kind of core for SDs, things like we have the HPC SysPros, which are the system administrators, and that's not an audience that's typically seen as core to HPC, even though without them, we would not have our data centers running. Then, we've mentioned some of the Birds of a Feather sessions already. Um, We have all of those kinds of activities going. Beyond that, um, we will have the SIG HPC CARES group, and those people will have a diamond-shaped badge that says SIG HPC CARES on it. So if you have got any issues, you can go talk to them. We're in the process of forming a similar organization within TCHPC for IEEE, and they will also have a presence. So we'll have a good group of people around kind of as monitors and mobile help spots should anybody need help. Um, We'll also have a sensory relief room if you happen to have sensory issues and want to go and find a place to just recover for a little while. Beyond that, we're really looking for what is it that would make this a better environment and a more welcoming environment for you. Send us an email, give us feedback, and uh, we'll do what we can to make everything happen.
0: At the end of the podcast and in the podcast notes, we will provide that contact information for Jay and for the Inclusivity Committee. Now, Jay, I have one last question for you. For those who may not have gone to SC before, what would you say they should definitely do in order to feel like they're getting the most out of the conference?
1: For me, um, SC really lives in the workshops and the birds of a feather sessions. Uh, The tutorials are great because you get to learn from people who are developing the technologies that they're presenting, Uh, but they unfortunately overlap the workshops. The workshops are all hyper-focused on subdomains, and whatever your area of interest in, attend the workshop on that, and you'll get into a community of of around 75 to maybe 200 people that that's really what they do and they work on. And that's a great way to get started and kind of get pulled into the community. Uh, The birds of a feather sessions are the same thing, but they could be either generally a smaller group, but they may even be a larger group. Those are also a good way to try to help get involved on the community side. The big thing is, is that this is one of the few places that you can literally stop anybody and talk to them. It doesn't matter who they are. The only caveat on that is that they may be headed somewhere and you need to walk with them, but just about anybody will talk to you. So if there's somebody you always wanted to talk to or meet or somebody you want to make a connection with, this is why everybody attends is because of all of the other people that are there. So they expect to have to go and instead of it being a five minute walk between rooms, it's going to be half an hour just because they're going to run into so many people they need to talk to. So um, whenever you see somebody you want to talk to, walk with them, talk with them and get as much as you can out of it. And if you need introductions to talk to people, come talk to us in the inclusivity office or anybody else that you might know. And if we can, we'll make introductions if that would be easier.
0: For those people who are planning on attending virtually, how can they have that similar experience?
1: As much as possible, um, if people want to have those introductions, we will try to find ways to make that direct digital connection as well. It is uh, a little less convenient than having somebody who happened to walk by and talking to them for a couple of minutes, but um, it will probably be more of a out of sync with SC experience. where. If you see people you want to talk to, contact us or contact them directly. And if you don't get feedback from them, then we can then contact them later and say, hey, we got some people that need to talk to you. Can you respond to them? Because everybody's busy, as everybody knows. And uh, they may not respond to somebody they don't know. And uh, this would be a way for us to help get some introductions out for uh, people who might want it. The main thing overall is um, we're expecting hopefully about 7,000 people in person this year. That's kind of our back-of-the-envelope guess and goal is to what to make it a really successful in-person event. So the course is, um, considering that COVID's not going to have a really nasty turn on us. If you can come for the community aspect in person, come. If you can't, then we're going to have a Discord server. Uh, you can come in and have some community time there as well. Otherwise, attend as many things as you can online and reach out and help us help you get connected and with the community, because that's really what matters. It's not so much the technical content, because that can all happen at another time. This is really the community event.
0: Thank you so much for joining, Jay. And thank you so much for sharing your passion for inclusivity and some of the plans for the Inclusivity Committee this year at SC22. I want to thank you, too, listeners, for tuning in today. Keep your eyes and ears open for future episodes in our SC22 series to include interviews with previous Early Career Program participants.